So tonight, um, name the study, Come Follow Me, a study about following. And so as we um, start up with that, I'd love to just ask you a couple questions. Um, like if someone says to you, come follow me, like what comes to mind for you? Like if someone just walked by and said, come follow me, what does that mean to you? What Where are we going? going? Where are we going? Where are you going? What do you have to show me? Oh, cool. Where are we going? What do you have to show me? Companion. Companion? Do I know you? Do I know you? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Good. What else comes to mind? What? What? Um, I, I love that the different context already there's came up. There's one person without trust issues in here. <laughs> yes, there's one person without trust issues in here. Because you're like, oh, yeah. And you're like, Paige, or whatever. Or it could be that yeah. I'm the youngest of six kids, and my whole life was just like, Karen? I would just think, what, is it worth my time? With, you know, yeah. Yeah. What have you got that's so important that... And it's curious, too, because you don't know where you're going. So it's like, oh, an adventure, right? I like that. It could be. Yeah. Or right. it might be a nightmare. Unless it's like a police officer. <laughs> like, that may not be a nightmare. <laughs> like, follow the leader when you're a kid. Yeah. Cool. So what type of people do you think usually would say, come follow me? Like, what would we call that kind of a person? A leader. Firstborn. Later, firstborn. <laughs> Interesting. Like someone worth following. Oh, you like to think. Somebody that's got something to say. Unless they're or teach you. Unless they're what? Unless they're a cult leader. Yeah. Cult leader. They right. definitely say come follow me. We live in a culture filled with leadership this, leadership that, leadership institute, leadership like lead, 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 even in the church. Lead, lead, lead. We'll teach you how to be a leader. We'll teach you how to become a leader. We'll teach you how to blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I just don't hear a whole lot about following. Hmm. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. But we just don't get lots of teaching on following. Right. And how to follow. And what does following mean? And who would you follow? Because the purest, in my opinion, the purest definition of leader is one who has followers. Yeah. And you see that a lot with little kids. Like, actually, even grown-ups do that sometimes. If you look at an airport or something, you just get in a line. And then you get to the front of the line, you're like, oh, that's the first-class line. And you're like, oh, I was just, I was just, I just followed. There's a, there's a, I think there's always some natural hierarchy, too, in relationships, relationship groups. And there are, like, kids in the classroom, you can always spot who they are. They just naturally rise. Yeah. People want to follow them. We have a, go ahead. No, you, now we have a game in the classroom that we do to, to, to show that that it's so important to use body language where they're not allowed to talk, but they have to, as a group, create the letter A or the number eight or whatever. And it's fascinating to watch because they always start off really slow. And you either have a group that has no leaders, it seems like, or there's too many leaders. 
and they're all kind of struggling to fight each other to get, you know what I'm saying? And this is what happens in life, I think, or can, right? I don't know, sure. it's interesting. And uh, with some practice, we, we, every time, and I tell them they're competing against the other classes, so I stop talking, and then, um, and then they get faster and faster and faster because we talk about what the struggles are and what could make it better, and then they give the answers, and then they think it through, and then they're willing to accommodate a little bit more. And it, they can get their time really fast, from two minutes and above to like less than 30 seconds. It's amazing. I, I saw this once, what you said made me think with kids. That, that like, when people pull up to like a playground or parking lot or something, and there's a bunch of kids, they always ask the tallest kid. I believe David got a lot of questions as a kid. You know, because they just usually thought they were the oldest or, the, you know, like, hey, where's the directions to this or do you know this? And, and it was just an interesting study about they would ask. They just assumed that the oldest was, the tallest was the oldest and, and that person would, like, be a leader. And it's not always that way, but it's just interesting. In middle so, school, sorry. Go ahead. In middle school... The tallest boys are usually automatically the coolest. The, the, the whatest? The boys that are the tallest, they're automatically like the coolest. The coolest. They, they don't have to try as hard. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they can reach things for everyone else. Yeah, <laughs> and they just seem, I mean, they seem like they're already, you know, I guess older. Yeah, so they can look up to That's been my observation. What do you think? Well, you don't like teaching middle school. No, I'm in middle school right now. Okay. It is kind of what happens, but then there's some short kids that are just so spunky, they overcome Oh it. yeah, that's true. But it is true, you're Rascal right. Yes. So there's so much out there about leadership. New York Times bestsellers list, there's their books on leadership. Leader, leader, leader. Um, but Jesus, he really doesn't say that. Like even the verse that people say, oh that's a leadership thing where he says, Come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. The, you know, fishing back then wasn't a one, it wasn't one off like we do nowadays, like fly fishing or something. Yeah. It's, it's, it, was, it was a net. You get a whole bunch. So, but that, it really wasn't leading there either. Like he called us to follow. And so, um, so with Jesus saying, come follow me, he said that to specific people, but there's many other times we, we talk speaking to us about follow me, or people who follow me, X, Y, Z, or A, B, C, if you follow me. So what do you think when you read, come follow me, when Jesus says that to you? Like what is, which is different. We just asked about just some random person saying, come follow me. But when you read in scripture, Jesus says, come follow me. What does that mean to you? Like how does that? Something's different when you have a history of like we have a backstory to who history is. I mean, to who Jesus is. So if he were to say that, it's like, yeah, I follow you. But for you know the guys that were, he was saying that to. He was a stranger. He was you know this guy that just showed up and said, "Come follow me." And I understand you know through teachings in the past that that was typically um, something that a uh, I don't know if it was a Pharisee or whatever would say when he wanted. One of followers, you know, to come follow him, and they basically it was a uh, um, a uh, 
submission test, if you will, for um, are you ready to learn what my stream of teaching, you know, or thought is? So I think it's a different mindset from, you know, where I come from now, a modern Western culture mindset to a, you know, Second Temple Jewish mindset. So it's a difficult question for, you know, for me to answer. I got a backstory. I know what Jesus, you know, who Jesus is. So yeah, I don't know. So when you read, follow me where Jesus is saying that in scripture, do you apply it to yourself? And if you do, how <coughs> What does that mean yeah. to you? Like, how do you follow him from your perspective? It's a trust issue to me. I trust him, so I'm just going to do what I'm following you. It's kind of like follow the leader. I'm going to do what you do. So I trust you because, like you said, we, we've got history together, you know? So it's no big deal. I'm going to mimic you. So there's something different about Jesus when he shows up in Galilee because he didn't start his ministry in Galilee. He, when he came back from the Jordan, he's ministering in Judea, which we see in the Gospel of John. So, you know, he, he goes and he cleanses the temple. He meets with Nicodemus, because Nicodemus comes to him that one night goes, man, all these signs that you're doing, we know that you've come from God, a teacher, which means the Pharisees have been discussing with one another. So when the Passover is done, everybody's going back to where they were. And so the reports are already going out about Jesus. So when John finally gets thrown into prison, Jesus leaves Judea and heads up to Galilee. So there's there's a history in terms of, there's reports going on like this is the guy who did all these signs during the Passover. And so there's, there's a report of him that circulated. It doesn't mean that Peter got it, but Andrew did because Andrew had been part of John the Baptist. So there would have been some kind of talk, whatever, going on. When Jesus shows up on the scene, even though he was a friend of sinners, there's something different about him. So and before it's not you that go he... too far, can I interrupt you? Yes, sir. So before you steal the thunder. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like section three. I had already prayed about... Preparing for Mark. <laughs> he knows way more than most of us, I think. Definitely more than me. Do you mind if we cover that in a second? I know. Oh, look, I don't know where you're going exactly. Tonight. I'm following you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It, the, the Greek literally. So how does that affect you when you hear "Come follow me"? For you personally, like right now, in your daily daily life, we heard, "I'll mimic him. I'll do what he says." How do you follow? So it, is that it, enough? It, so I'm going to cheat a little bit. The, the, the Greek word follow me is literally to walk in my footsteps. Okay, you can't. You can't you can, did you send him? No. Mark just knows. So, so you got to stop and just answer the question as it is phrased it, it, to you. <laughs> so, how do, when you hear, come follow me, how do you follow Jesus? I'm going, you, after his, I'm going after his image. That's what it means to follow him. Okay. All right. Next person. Awesome. Amen. That's good. I love Mark, so there's no confrontation here. All right, Cricket. You're good. Uh, when you asked the question, I immediately went back to when I was a little girl because that's when I met him. That's oh, when I got yeah. born again. Oh, and yeah. so I was 
I was six and I was in kindergarten, I didn't have a rage yet. And so I followed him by doing what he did. I, I, my heart was to love like he loved in my kindergarten class. Um, and I, I, when I got born again, for show and tell, I told my class that I got saved. And they're like, what happened to you? Did you almost die? Or, you know? And so I got to share the gospel with them in oh, kindergarten. You know? And it was so sweet because Mrs. Hill, my kindergarten teacher, she filled in gaps for me because she, you know, she was trying to communicate with them. And I was like, they don't know. And literally it was like, they don't know. But uh, it's like, that's why I love the gospel because you talk about following. He made it easy enough for me as a little girl to do it. So all I have to do is mirror him and do what he did. Love you didn't know the Greek yet? <laughs> Were they Hebrew? No. I'm so impressed with you, Cricket. <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. It's a way. It's a way of God throughout His Word. It's a way of God. So when Elijah was struggling and told God I would, he was tired, exhausted, running, and the angel visited him, fed him. The angel visited him again, fed him. And after that, after that whole deal, he has an interaction with God. And what God does is he brings Elisha to go with him. Yeah. It's a way of God. Yeah. God does leadership through servanthood. And when you come up and serve this leader, because a leader is simply someone that God takes somewhere, and they go back and take other people there. Yes. That's all they are. Yeah. And so when you're following him, there is this... Um, there. I don't know, when you said, come follow me, what came up in my heart immediately is, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, be the servant of all. So when someone says, come follow me, I hear, here's an opportunity to be great. Because you can serve. Here's an opportunity to come alongside and champion what Jesus is doing in this person. And champion what Jesus, do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's that positioning, because that's how Jesus positioned himself, even though he was equal in the Godhead. He positioned himself in that. I'm going to follow your presence right here. So who wants to share how they follow God? Just using the English before we get to Greek or Hebrew. <laughs> I, I Which we're going to go there. I just listen. I listen to him and what he says. And mm. So it's, you know, it's not, I'm not perfect at it. I'm still working at it. I'm practicing. But, um, you know, I remember when I was really young, it was a pizza pig out, and they came to preach to us, and I was in eighth grade, and all my friends stood up, and I was like, why are they standing up? How can they give their life up like this? I don't really, I don't get it. Now, I was in church the whole time. I was in Sunday school. I love Jesus. But they were talking about, like, surrender. And I was like, if I surrender, then I don't get to make my own choices. There might come a day where he wants me to do something, right? And anyway, and so that's obviously, I mean, through the years, he's been working with me. And there's, but there's still a little bit of that in me to where it's like, I don't know, it's hard to explain. But I will say this, I was reading Ephesians 3 this week. It just captured my heart. It was the love, his love is like a soil and our roots go deep. And it's so good. And I just was like, Lord, I want more of your soil around me. I just want to go deep and get that nutrient, you know? And so for me right now, it's all about the garden. <laughs> like that, that imagery. And that's the following phase I'm in just right now. Yeah, it's good. I, was, I would say 
voice, presence, peace. Mm -hmm. There you go. Yeah. Voice, presence, peace. Whether it's voice here, whether it's voice here, whether it's voice coming here, voice, presence, peace. Love that. It's my, my one word was peace. I always say either I know peace, K-N-O-W, there's peace, or there's N-O, no yeah. peace. And so that's, you know, that's what there's not, or yes. So just in the English language, do we know enough? Do we have enough just from hearing, come follow me? Or even others, when there's places where there's 22 times it says follow me and seven times he says come follow me, speaking specifically to someone. Is that enough? Do you need to know Greek and Hebrew? For Jesus, yes. Yeah. But it's because you saw him. Yeah. And, and his presence was enough for those that followed him and for those that weren't paying attention, it wasn't. But if, if they were paying attention, if they were listening to their heart, they knew. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There are other people, they say, hey, follow me. And the caution lights come on. No. But the God in him reached out and grabbed the love of God and the people that, that, that were around him and the people that loved God followed him. And the people that loved themselves or loved to have other people pay attention to them said, why? Ah, I'm doing my thing over here. See, I got all, I got my list. I'm doing it all. But the people that were listening to God, that were watching for God, said, okay, let's go. Hey, come on. Grab your brother. Mark, come on. This guy we're talking about. It, I agree. It's, it is the issue of presence. I gotta get a degree. Yeah. No. no. So, so I think. No. No. There's, there's a point. There's a there's a point in here. Where I'm gonna go. He's going somewhere. <laughs> He's gonna be pointing. Oh, right. Just hold it, Mark. He's gonna go to you in a minute. Mark's gonna. We want it though, honey. We want. There's it. something over Jesus. Oh no no no. no. You can, absolutely, because it is. It's, it's, it's how God works, right? But it is more fun Rich. to go a little bit deeper. So, with Mark in mind and everyone else, we're going to go a little deeper. So, the Hebrew phrase that we interpret, that Mark told you a second ago, and hopefully you forgot, but now I'm going to tell you like it's brand new. <laughs> it is, uh, it's actually, I'll read it, see, I'll, I'll do my best Hebrew. Lech aharai. 
which literally meant walk after me. So it's walk after me. So it's, it's like follow, walk after me. So why is this important? So what is the implication of this in Jesus' time and on earth? And to really understand that, we have to understand how the, the Jewish educational system was back then. Yeah. And so, um, so we're going to a little bit. Some of you probably know this. Um, but when the, the Jewish kids were little, they, they had three different kind of uh, levels of study. And there's lots of people argue about the exact age that they entered into the different stages. But there are three stages. The first one was uh, Bet Sefer, S-E-F-E-R. And it's both boys and girls. And they start somewhere around five or six years old. And um, it is called the house, the English of the Bet Sefer is a house of the book. And so they're learning to read, write, um, memorize the Torah. Um, and that goes from about age five or six to around age 10. And so um, the next level is called Bet Talmud, uh, T-A-L-M-U-D. It's also, it's called the house of learning is what that means in English. Also, both boys and girls, age 10 to about 12 is when they go through that for a few years. And they focus on oral interpretation and the Tanakh, basically everything other than the Torah. They, they, they're learning all of it. And so, and then the third one is uh, the Bet Mitrash, which is um, uh, basically the house of study. It's boys only. It was, and it was only for those who qualified. And so they had to be like the best of the best and lots of different research on this, but generally speaking, it was about the top 2% to maybe 5% of, of everyone who had studied. They had to qualify to get there. It was the brightest of the brightest, the sharpest of the sharpest. And all the other boys went to work in the family business. Girls also went to work uh, into the home or the family business at that same time frame. There's, um, at this level of teaching, the, the, the boys go and like choose a rabbi to follow. They're basically saying, I wanna learn this. And when you have to, when you remember there, the rabbis are experts in the law. And so if you are attorney or you know attorneys, there's a lot, and if you go read Leviticus, and there's lots of different aspects of law. There's <clears throat> law about property, there's law about land, there's law about um, uh, relationships and family matters. And so they would choose someone to follow, so to speak. Okay, so they would go, um, that, that was part of what they did at that age in the, the Bet Midrash. The focus at that point is on understanding and applying the Torah. And also uh, the oral uh, interpretation or the tradition uh, to the daily life. So basically they follow the rabbi around wherever he went, whatever he did. He, they tried to mimic when you said that. It was like, yes, they're trying to mimic his ways, follow um, his teachings. Um, everything from how he did his laundry to uh, how he cooked his food. I mean, it was a very, um, they're all in and they just live and, and sometimes they travel with uh, following the rabbi. And so there's a group of them that would do that. Um, and if you think about it, the phrase um, in Hebrew, walk after me, that's where the walk after me is, comes from. And it's kind of a, it's an honor to be able to, to, to get to that point and to get to be studying under a rabbi. So it was a really big deal. And every other uh, young man in the culture knew that they didn't get to do that. 
and that phrase, come, come, you know, walk after me, they, they don't have that in their life. They know that. They're working. They're in the family business, whether it's fishing or home building or whatever they're doing or doctor or tax work. But they know that phrase. Does that make sense? Like, so if you go into the culture of the time, they knew that that was, that was um, like a phrase from a rabbi. Like, like that was, it was known. It wasn't, it's not just a, like we might say, here, come follow me. But in that time and in that culture, it meant something. And they knew that it meant something. I also I would agree also that it's God speaking, so Jesus is speaking. Yet I think it's also important to know that I mean they dropped everything. Like that was a, a huge honor to get to go follow a rabbi. Okay, does that make sense? Yes. And so um, and so uh, a couple of things that they did. Um, the boys that are in this process, they're called Talmids. Uh, T A L M I D. And it was interesting because part of there's uh, four things you could take away what they were learning to do. Memorize their teacher's words for oral transmission. So they didn't write down their teacher's words because at that time they were, they were basically honoring the scripture was the only thing that was getting written down. Does that make sense? So they're orally memorizing what their rabbi was teaching. And um, so um, the second thing they did was they were learning their teacher's traditions and interpretations so they could follow the rabbi, how he ate, prayed, lived. The third thing was they imitated the rabbi's actions, deeds, speech, uh, conduct. And then the fourth thing was they raised their own Talmudim, their own Talmuds, their own disciples, basically. And so they would have young men follow in the ways of the rabbi. So it would continue. So that was... So the, so the reason I think it's good to like look at the context of, of when that is getting said is because in that time, that was a, that's how their learning system was in the Hebrew uh, faith. This is all like that time. I'm not saying they're doing that now. But it's so, it's, so if you understand like the culture of the day and the context, it helps understand when Jesus says, you know, come walk with me, come walk in my footsteps, come, it's, it's not as, it, like, like I, I forget who said it, but someone was like, well, it depends on where they're going and who is this talking and all that, you know. But, but they didn't know them, you know, like David, I think David said, they, like, he was, this guy was a stranger. And then Joshua like, but this was God speaking, like, like he was speaking, that love is speaking. I agree with both. And they dropped, they dropped whatever they were working on and, like, like think about that. Whatever job they had, whatever job you have, you know, they just they just stopped. I was trying it, to like, find it, that, but even like he said, one of them said. We're gonna go through it. Um, you want to do one? Go for it. Well, it says in Luke. I was trying to find it, but he he goes, I need to go bury, I need to go bury my dad first or something, and he's like, let the dead bury the dead. Like he didn't even give him a chance to go take care of something that was Luke, important in their family. Luke nine fifty nine. You want to read it? Yeah, sure. We're such an advanced group, y'all. <laughs> Everybody's dead. It's like you gotta hold them back. Yeah, um, yeah. This goes home out. You're as they were as they were going along the road, someone said to him, "I will follow you wherever you go." And Jesus said to them, "Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head." To another, he said, "Follow me." But he said, "Lord, let me first go and bury my father." And Jesus said to him, "Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God." And another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. 
And Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow looks back. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So they had to just, everything. I didn't think about that. You're going forward. kind of cool really it's really you know like going back like it's just not an option mm-hmm. you know like you think you, you hear about it people come backsliding or whatever but mm-hmm. it's just not an option and I just we think about like, just the day to day like just even things that we'll deal with with family or kids and sometimes you get so distracted about like what's here and it just gets in the way, and he's saying, "Yeah, no, and me. It's about me. It's not about all that, you know." So, there's a couple other reasons that I think understanding how they, how they were used to teaching and learning, um, is important and can be applied to us. Before we get to that, though, is it okay if I give scriptures out and people yes. read? You're the so, leader. Um, You're in charge. You can do what you want. I just want to see if you're following. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Babe, you want to do Matthew 9 9? Sure. Mark, would you do Matthew 19 21? Yes. Josh, would you do Matthew 8 22? Mm-hmm. Oh. I remember Quist. Sorry. Miss Quist. Dana, would you do Mark 10 21? Mark ten twenty one. Mm-hmm. Wendy, would you do Mark two fourteen? Uh-huh. Going all the way around. David, John twenty one nineteen. Uh, Me or Ryan? Ryan. Oh, I said David. Ryan. Sorry. <laughs> Ryan was yeah, marking down. He was just. He knew I looked right at him. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Mark one sixteen to eighteen. It is a good compliment to be called David. Though. Uh, Matthew four eighteen to twenty. Matthew four eighteen to twenty. Uh huh. Luke, can you do Luke five twenty seven to twenty eight? Cricket, would you do John twenty one to twenty? John twenty one twenty two. David, right? You're David, right? Yeah. Just two Davids. Sorry, David. The first David, the second David. To be in our group, you have to either be named David or Mark. (laughs) Dozo. Mark. And Ryan just got in, you know, Ryan and Josh. Yeah. Yeah. They just like to. John 143. Special bar. Yeah. Luke 18.22. Got it. She already read them. Alright, she already read them. Actually, it, didn't, it actually was the place I was going to stop. Where? That one? The one that. I already read? Yeah. That's awesome. Alright, so all of these are where Jesus specifically speaking to someone and is calling them out. And so we're going to go through them in a, in a. I think it's fun, but go ahead. Matthew 9 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. What? <laughs> Just think that's crazy cool. Go ahead. Matthew nineteen twenty one. Jesus said to him, If you wish to be complete, go 
sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Boom. Matthew 8.22, For Jesus said to him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their own dead. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collection booth. Come, be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. John 21, 19, Jesus said this to Peter as a prophecy of what kind of death he would die for the glory of God. And he said, Peter, follow me. Mark 1, 16-18, as Jesus was walking along the shore of Lake Galilee, he noticed two brothers fishing, Simon and Andrew. He watched them as they were casting their nets into the sea and said to them, Come, follow me, and I will transform you into fishers of men instead of fish. Immediately they dropped their nets and left everything behind to follow Jesus. Matthew 4, 18-20, as he was walking by the shore of the Lake of Galilee, Jesus noticed two fishermen who were brothers. One was nicknamed Kepa, later called Peter, and the other was Andrew, his brother, watching as they were casting their nets into the water. Jesus called out to them and said, Come and follow me, and I will transform you into men who catch people for God. Immediately they dropped their nets and left everything behind to follow Jesus. Afterward, Jesus went out and looked for a man named Matthew. He found him sitting at the tax booth, and he said to a tax collector, Jesus said to him, Be my disciple and follow me. That very moment, Matthew got up and left everything behind and followed him. John 21, verse 22. Jesus replied, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. John 1.43 The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. Luke 18.22 When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack, Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. I think he's the only one that didn't in all the examples. Right? Mm-hmm. Or actually in my version, mm-hmm. if, you, if, you go, if you go further down, it says Jesus ran after him, tackled him, put him in a headlock, gave him a nookie, and said, I'm the Messiah! <laughs> Sorry, just kidding. Even in Karen, what version is that? One? <laughs> exactly. Karen who said he looked for him. He was looking yeah, for. He was looking for. He was looking for him. Who, so it's who like fascinating. This? Who was this? The rich young ruler. Oh. On the walk away. 
He didn't give a name, though. No. no name. No. There's speculation that, that he's Nicodemus, um, Nicodemus but mm-hmm. no one knows for sure. Um, but, like, when you read those, does that, mm-hmm. like, they just stopped, dropped everything. Their whole livelihood. The nets. The tax person. So, has there been anyone in your own life that they walked in and like, let's go. And you dropped whatever you're doing and you went. Now, I, I have examples in my own life. Just curious if that's ever happened in your life. If someone's walked in. Oh, when I was a little girl, my dad. Absolutely. My dad would walk in the room and say, it was that or die. It's <laughs> <laughs> they say Jeff, you say how high. Yeah, I was, there was no how high. Yeah. It was just like, just hurt Jeff. Exactly. That's yeah. another, that was my example. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. exactly. You just did whatever. And being the youngest of six, anyone that was older than me in the pecking order, I just followed and did whatever I was told. In fact, on my 40th birthday, my sisters took me out and I had to say, they're all like saying, Karen feels this, Karen thinks this, and I'm sitting right there at the table. I slam my hand down, I go, I am 40! I can speak for myself! Stand down! That's <laughs> <laughs> been my whole life, yeah. So I get it. <laughs> yeah, we get it. I don't know if anyone else does. Has anyone else had experiences where there's someone that has been able to walk in and and you automatically, you, you, well, you don't question it. You just go, we need, to, we need to go now. You know, you're like, okay, well, you know. I can't wait to see him. I was going to say. I was Come follow say, me and she's ready. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. you're in a car, you're something, they go, let's go. Well, you know, we're, you're going, you know, they're done. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, no, I'm boss. <laughs> parking lot of Evan Northwestern Hospital in the spring of 98, praying before I go into to the ER, and, and Jesus said, and God said, I'm taking you to Texas, and a year later, we were here. Which is how we ended up in Minnesota in the first place, God spoke to us and said, Take you to Minnesota. Have, leave your job and go to Minnesota, and so we did. But when you start following God that way, there's a grace that comes on you that undergirds you, and then validates Himself by performing His word. And the more that happens, the more you're like, mm-hmm. okay, what, what are you asking for today? I'll leave it today. Because when you walk any steps, he says, "Yes, do this. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? And if you start to do the next thing, and he says, what are you doing? And I say, going to do the next step. Did I take that next step? Yeah. No? Good. And when we packed up our life and moved to Minnesota, it was so funny. Even our Christian friends, it's like they all kind of, because that was a level of, following that was beyond, it was extreme. That was over into weird. It was over into weird. Yeah. Yeah. So they just kind of all backed up like Mm. (laughs) I lost it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) We're losing it.
early into ministry, everyone in my career was like, what are you yeah. doing? What are you doing? You, you can't recover from this. You can't come back two years later and say you had a midlife crisis when in ministry. Now I'm going to come back and be in business and people yeah. are going to take you seriously. Yeah. Like every single person was like, are you, is that really? Yeah. And even Christian friends. Like, yeah. dude, I heard you're dude. Like, you we need thinking? to have lunch. We need to get together. It's like, yeah, we do. are you trying to talk me out of it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. It's like, no. So, so if you don't mind, I'd love for you to share a little bit about how you got there. Like, how did you walk with the Lord? How did you get to the point where you're at that point? Like, obviously, at some point, you followed the Lord from childhood. Well, I was going to say, we both knew Jesus, just like when we were talking about marriage. We both knew Jesus before we got married, and our love for him drew us together. But when you say knew him, like, tell me about that. Spent time in this word. Yes. Followed. I love the scripture. It's in Romans 6-7 that says, We live no longer in obedience to the written code of regulations. But we live in obedience to the promptings of the Spirit in newness of life. Yes. So when you become God's, His presence comes to live inside of you, and He prompts you. He may prompt you through the spoken word in your heart. He may use people to speak into your life. He may quicken this, because when you read the written word, the written word is the tuning fork for your heart. And when you tune your heart to this, you recognize his voice when he speaks because you've already tuned it to the right pitch. And so there's that. And then there's a progressively obeying him. Like you get born again. Then he leads you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then he leads you to be baptized. Every step of obedience takes you closer and deeper, Mm -hmm. ascending into a God life to where there's this trust, just like in a marriage relationship, there's this trust. And then when God brought Josh, Josh was such a spirit-inspired leader that I had great, and was so uh, compliant to the Holy Spirit when he was wrong. If I would pray, his heart would turn. And so God began leading us together. One of the things I love about how we have walked with God is, I'm so sorry, <laughs> how we have walked with God is that when we got married, we both had big God lives, but we approached God very differently, and we never changed that. We never tried to merge that. We let God merge us, and we just kept our God life the way it was, and what happens is, even to this day, he has a way he hears from God. Like, Here's an example. When God spoke to us and told us to move to Texas, I would pray in the Spirit. And when I would pray in the Spirit, I would get this interpretation. And I would tell Josh, I'm seeing that, first, I'm seeing myself like a tree with all my roots wrapped up like long hair thrown over your shoulder and going, I don't know where they go, but we need to find a place to put them down. And that we're going to a place to put down roots. And then the second thing, I would hear the phrase, where we're going, we're going to see people get married while we're there, and we're going to bury people while we're there. And then the last phrase that I got that came out in my tongues was, we're all about people. And I said, we're going to go be a part of a group of people that are all about people. And Josh would pray in the Spirit, and when he would pray, he would see this picture of a pastor we knew in Florida named Clark Whitten. And 
we knew Clark was in Florida. God was calling us to Texas. That made no sense. Well, the Bible says in First um, Corinthians 13, verse 11, it says, you know a part, mm-hmm. you prophesy a part, but when the perfect comes, the perfect is when the manifestation, the completed thing, when the completed thing manifests, these things are nullified because you understand what the parts were. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know a part, you prophesy a part, when you have understanding, it's all clear, <coughs> or it's completed. And so we came here, and we were at the movies doing a very spiritual thing, watching the movie. And right before the movie, there was an ad, brand new church plant, Gateway Church, we're all about people. And Josh hit me and he goes, hey, they're all about people. (laughs) (laughs) And so when we went home and we pulled up their webpage, the picture he was seeing in his spirit of Clark was there. And Clark was doing their first Presbytery for men's retreat. The page misloaded, and it was just his picture filled the screen. Huge picture filled the way God works with us together is God speaks to him and gives clarity and direction and then speaks to both of us and our things fit together to where we know it's the Lord. So, so if I can take what you just discussed. If you, if you look at how they taught the Jewish children in the different houses, and they, they grew, they like graduated. Yeah. And the last one, they, they started around age 13. And they went to age 30. So they spent um, however many years it is, 17 years-ish, just following the rabbi, doing what the rabbi did, learning the rabbi's ways, walking and talking, memorizing his thoughts, his perspective, living like that. Everything having to do with that specific teacher, rabbi, master. You described that same thing and how you pursued and how you walked with with God and you learned his ways. You, You learned his word. You you kept graduating because at the end of the, by age 30, that the students, the Tamadine, they would either become a, a rabbi or they would become a scribe where they like actually wrote right. the word, right? So, so, so they kind of graduated to become someone who then brought people along. And then they would have Tamadine and, and they would follow their way. So what I think is fascinating and is why I asked y'all is because you did. You met the Lord. Probably most everyone in the room has had the same experience. You met the Lord and then you started learning his ways. The beautiful thing I love about Jesus as a rabbi is that all prior rabbis were experts in the law. Like Jesus, he came to fulfill the law, but he shared so much else, right? The love, the grace, the mercy, um, the Holy Spirit, um, that where we, he's just radically loves people and just is, is in mercy every day, just the, the way he pours out. And so the whole, you know, the, the New Testament is all about us following 
pursuing, receiving, living with him, just like the folks that graduated and like were the smartest of the smartest. But we didn't have to be the smartest of the smartest. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Woo -woo. He just offers it to everyone now. Yes. And we all get to participate in mm -hmm. that. And we all get to walk in that in such a sweet and holy way. And I know some people, you know, myself included, like, you know, we're okay, you know, we're all, we grow at different phases and we bloom at different times and different things we're learning. And, you know, I didn't, you know, I got, I got saved at a church that didn't believe the Holy Spirit moved, spoke, any of that stuff. And so I just hopped in and lockstep, like, okay, that's the way it is. Until the Lord spoke to me one day and I was like, wow! <laughs> and then I was removed from teaching and removed from yeah. everything was like it was like bad like oh you that's not good it was a horrific experience but also it was awesome yeah because I was like everybody who tried to talk to me I'm like you can't change my like trust me yeah like this happened like this <laughs> like I'm scared to tell you like I think I'm supposed to tell everyone and I was telling everyone and they're like you need to be quiet you need to stop you need to like I'm like no no I don't right like this has happened this is real and then I saw the Holy Spirit throughout all through Scripture that like it really changed my yeah. life. So, like yes, like that is the beauty. Like he, like the way, the way he had it prepared before he came, was by design. So the ones in like Paul and Peter and all of those folks, the disciples, they were so it, it was so real to them. And then they. They knew that they'd lived with him and hung out with him for three years. They knew his ways. Like they were, they had been with Jesus, right? It even says that in places in scripture. And then that is what they imparted to the rest of us. And today we are living in people who followed. Mm -hmm. They just followed. They were great followers. Yes. And for us, like my heart of hearts is, I almost want to puke when I keep seeing there's this leadership this and leadership this. I'm like, but nobody's following. Maybe not no one, but we need more followers. Amen. Like if we followed and you kept following, you're willing. Okay, like when you mentioned a couple of things you mentioned was obedience. Like the Talmudim, that was part of following the rabbi. Yes. They had to be yes. obedient so or they didn't get to stay. Your turn. I, hear, I saw your mouth. Go for it. I saw your chin. Is it okay? You did. Go. It's your turn. <laughs> I will step back. It is not Mark's time. So you said in the beginning the whole issue of following Hebrew. So the rabbis actually stole it from Joshua 3.3. 3. Mm. And it came about at the end of three days that the officers went through the midst of the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see, you need to hear this. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God. With the Levitical priest carrying it, then you shall set up from your place and go after it. And go after it? Same thing. Same thing. The, yeah. yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Here's the thing, guys. Jesus talks about the Father having sent him. And, and I was reading about John, John the Baptist. Um, Behold my messenger whom I sent before your face. The word send there is apostle. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the word apostle is a compound word which literally means to send from having stood in the presence. And if you remember when Jesus started teaching you guys, 
the people are going, he's teaching the exact same scriptures that all the rabbis and everybody else taught. But they're going, he's teaching with authority. They're just like, something's different about this man. Because it's what you said. Jesus is coming out of a book. He's coming out of presence. In Joshua chapter 1, the Lord speaks to Joshua and he said, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Joseph Prince brought this out one time. The Hebrew specifically says this book of the law, which means Joshua was reading it when the Lord spoke to him. It, it's what you said. It's the tuning fork. It's when this comes alive. He, it, the whole issue of Solomon. What made Joshua a leader opposed to everybody else is, is when God's mad at Israel, Moses pitches his tent, goes out there, and Joshua follows him. And the Lord's talking to Moses, and Joshua's in the midst of this intimate conversation between the Lord and Moses. And so when Moses left, Joshua's hung. And most of us just miss that little phrase that Joshua stayed there. And, and God's talking to, to, to Moses. I'm pretty ticked with this people, and I'm and no, let me see your glory. Let me da 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 da. And Joshua's listening. Everybody else in their tent got out of their tent and saw Moses go and go into the tent. What it doesn't say is they also saw Joshua walking in with them, and nobody else followed. So Joshua is learning presence, hearing voice. So when Joshua is in here. The Lord speaks to him and said, this book of the law, and it suddenly comes alive. When, when Jesus is the one who comes out of the presence of God, and the word suddenly pops off the page for everybody. And that's, that's the thing between hearing somebody who knows the book and somebody who's been in here who knows the Lord. Because suddenly the word's coming off the pages. You know, I... I look at all these young people listening to Dan Muller, I'm going, this guy preaches a sharp message. There's no ifs, ands, or buts with this guy. It's a sharp message, and young people are flying five states away to go here. It's because the Lord said to him, I don't ever want you to prepare for a message. I want you to become the word. And, and it just pours out of him. And, and everything's not coming out of here coming out of here right. and you know when you guys walk in the presence of the Lord that one time that you were sharing you were sitting on the couch over there and you just shared something about the Ark of the Covenant and it just like it, it came out of it came out of something you got from God it was from here and then you got it from God and it just touched all of us and it's like that's because what when you're spending time with Jesus and then somebody wants to follow you, it's not you. Amen. It's presence. Right. Amen. Well, and that's why I was saying with the, the, when the, the folks, they followed their rabbi, that's part of what they would do. They would stay in the rabbi's presence for years. Yeah. But what, you know what, what made that different did. than Jesus? People picked the rabbi. Right, but Jesus picked these. Yeah. Guys. Like, it's totally different. Mm -hmm. So they picked their own rabbi. But Jesus did the picking on here. And he picked all of the people he chose. He picked people who already didn't qualify, which totally turned all of it on its head. It's so good. And when I listened to your testimony, what you guys just shared, 
you're spending time with the Lord. You're yeah. walking with Him, following Him, listening to Him, obeying Him. It's the it's a to me a similar or same model of following. Yes. That yes. was in the Word of God. You'll find it as you study and you watch how the disciples did that. It was super normal to them to do that. And now we are doing that. We get to live in that way. And so it's not reading God's word. It's not Bible study, you know, assignments. It's just like him, like we get to know him better. Yes. We get to, and then we mimic him. We love people the way he loves people. And we, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me the way he set things up, the way they make sense, the way they apply. But now it's, we can still find it in yes. doing the same thing. If we walk with him and, and sit with him and we have, you know, presence, I agree, it's presence. It's, yeah, like he, sh that's what that was. And that's what they did. And then they're inviting us to do the same thing. And we're inviting the world to do the same thing. And follow, follow, not us, but follow him. I, um, but I think it makes like the, the point, the point yeah. that, the, the one thing it made something really fascinating to me was, I want to share with you is when he said... I say only what the Father mm -hmm. says, yeah. and I do only what the Father does. Now, back then, that would have, since he's a rabbi, right? Since he's even as a teacher, normally when a rabbi speaks that, they would be speaking of the rabbi that they followed. Yeah. Wow. So now he's saying that and saying he spent time with the Father. I was like rocking. I mean, it was so radically. What? Like, he, what? His rabbi is the father? What? Like, it was like breaking their. Ooh, this is too hard to comprehend, right? But when we think, when we read that, we're like, oh, we don't realize how. Maybe I'll speak for me. Or I will speak for me. No, maybe. I didn't fully understand how hard it was for so many people to grasp yeah. the 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 things he was saying like you're like mm -hmm. wait a second look you, you, the father in heaven you know and then they would gripe you know and you know they uh one point you know they were like well isn't this the the builder's son or the carpenter's son yeah. like seriously and they and then after he said you know eat my body and drink my blood you know thousands bailed yeah. and i praise god every day that i live now that I didn't live then because I think I probably would have left. Because even reading it now is like, ooh. I don't, you know, I didn't grasp. You know, luckily it's not actually a human body and I'm not actually drinking someone's blood. But at the time when he said that, yeah, like it was their heart. It was, it was mm -hmm. the things yeah. he was sharing was hard for people to really comprehend. He didn't have the Holy Spirit yet either to... Yes. Minister liked you, yeah. and he hadn't died yet, so how would that even apply? Yeah. On, you know, taking yeah. communion. It sounded creepy. Yeah. I mean, people on. Yeah, it's odd whenever like new people come to a church and they hear all about how you know they want the blood to wash over them, and it just sounds really <laughs> gross. Are we for the blood? She did wear a women's conference, this woman who had never been in church. She had gotten born again, and I was walking alongside discipling her. And we were at this women's conference, and they're using all of our churches, you know. And 
And she said, you know, we need to just plead the blood. My friend leaned over. She goes, are we for blood? She goes, but when you're walking through a season, she goes, what is a season? <laughs> like, but the whole time, it was like, can you translate this for me? Because you don't realize how in our little church yeah. thing, we have our own churchies that most people have no idea what we're saying. Because it's our own little language. It sounds triggers. It does. Like vampire meeting. Or Not for me. I always thought it was super normal. But then when I got older and you know, experienced non-believers, and <coughs> this sounds terrible. It does. This sounds horrifying. Why are we not all leaving? <laughs> Different perspective. Yeah. Just thrown in. Our mom was raised by some aunts when her mom died when she was young. They did the best they could, but she didn't really have any any example on how to raise kids because she was raising her brother while the aunts went out and worked. And so she didn't know what was appropriate to expect of a four-year-old or a five-year-old. And so when we were little, she'd say, Josh, just take her and go do this. Say, well, okay, but she had taught us if you don't know what to do, ask God, He'll show you. Wow. And so we're going to go across the street and go to the store and go to look left and right and left again, but what do I need to do? What do I do? And then I'd know. I wasn't born again until I was six, but but I, I well I didn't pray a prayer until I was six, but at five and one or two we learned to trust God. There was a need, and there was a trust, and there was a dependence because we needed to get something done that that she given us instruction to do not how to do, just to do, and that out of that dependence became a relationship and an ability to know. And, you know, I grew up thinking, you know, in a Baptist church thinking, wouldn't it be great to just talk to God? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I learned that that's what was happening when we were little. But it was it wasn't until later that I was open to the the understanding that we could have a conversation. And it wasn't until I read John eleven for the hundredth time that in some translations when he is getting ready to raise Lazarus from the dead. He said, thank you, Lord, that you always hear. Thank you, Father, that you always hear me. Yes, I know that you always hear me. But I said that for the benefit of these. Mm-hmm. Move the stone, Lazarus, come forth. And others, it's like, I know that you always hear me. And, but the and is actually a punctuation mark. It's not a word. And it's, 
in English typically left undone, but it's so uncomfortable to the standard to, to most translators to say to realize he's having a conversation that they leave that blank. Mm -hmm. So we are left without an expectation of doing what Jesus did because we didn't see it. But when you see it and, and, and then want that, then my next step was translated from just he'll make me know what to do to thank you Lord, thank you. How can you say what you hear him say unless you hear him say it? Mm -hmm. So it set the expectation. It showed the demonstration of, of the fact that he did it. And then I was hungry. I, I had to have it. Mm -hmm. And then I met Karen. And, <laughs> and over the course of the next nine or ten months, we had a, a, a journey of wanting that and then getting it. And wow. So... And we all look at you because you're the one he yeah. loved. Yeah. Just like it yeah. before. So, anyway. There's got to be a need. And a desire because of the need. Need or desire. And then the knowledge and the trust. And then a dependence. And then practicing. Developing your relationship. And then, you know. You know him. He knows you. He knows the words that I need to hear. Um, walking the dog, I was almost on a paddle in the cul-de-sac. Just a sentence from him. Yeah, amen. So, that's what Jesus did. He knew, he knew his father. He talked with him. He followed him for 30 years. Graduated. And, and, <laughs> and now it's time. So when you think about being a follower, everyone here is probably saying, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. Um, and you look at how they did it the Jewish ways. Like they, they studied and memorized the Torah and, and they memorized the oral and then they um, memorized the Tanakh and then they walked with a rabbi and actually just kind of assimilated his ways. And the, one of the greater ways was inviting other people. Do you find yourself on that spectrum of just following the Lord, um, still learning His ways. Um, me personally, I haven't memorized a lot, but I have a lot of conversations with Him. Um, you know, it's. I, I have some friends that think I'm crazy weird, um, especially if we start to talk, start talking about hearing from God. Um, and then I have other friends of mine I think they're like so they're like, like out there they're like they're like 
Jesus is just like they're hanging like he's got his arm around him and they're like you know just living life like they're so far ahead of us and in that way in some ways so it's you know how do you where do you find yourself as a follower and um and are you enjoying being a follower as opposed to a leader and do you find yourself do you consider yourself a follower? Have you thought about... I think in our culture, being a follower doesn't have a good rap. doesn't have a good label. Me personally, I like it. Um, culturally, I'm not a follower. Um, but following Jesus is kind of anti-cultural anyway. So... You know, I'm enjoying sort of, it personally was that a question that was yeah, answered yeah, you, yeah. so yeah right now is such a growing season five years ago maybe it's been longer my mom got real sick so she came to live with us and bottom line was I was selling the house and moving because she had died while she was living with us and I heard from the Lord and he said hey listen they're going to call you I'm like they it's the strangest thing I thought and I had no job because I'd taken off to take care of mom. And I said, well, okay, Lord, we do interviews down here, and I'm just going to go ahead and do the interview, and if you say no, then I won't. And he didn't say no, so I went and did a Dallas interview. They didn't hire me. I was kind of bummed. I was still working on selling the house. But lo and behold, I left the Toastmaster meeting. I got a phone call. Remember the story? Yep. You know the story. Yep. And uh, they are like, hey, would you be interested in teaching this level of kids? I'm like, oh, I totally would. Yeah, well, we'd love for you to come out here and give it, give, give it a whirl. Why don't you just come try, stay in a hotel, and try it for a week? And, uh, and so I did. And so I had a job out there for two years in West Texas. It was amazing. And it was hard at the same time. It was very desert-like out there. And it was desert-like in a way, in certain ways. Like, my social life took on a desert face because my friends were the people I taught with and went to church with, and that was it. There was nothing in between. And I was constantly watching all the prophetic people on YouTube. That's where I learned about YouTube. And anyway, and then, so now, fast forward to today, um, a year ago, he said, well, you want to be uncomfortable because I was expressing my desires. And I said, yeah, I want to be uncomfortable. Well, you know what? If you tell God that, <laughs> watch out. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Because uncomfortable went to a whole new definition and a whole new level. And, um, and I'm not saying that I, I distanced myself from him, but it was uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable in every area. But it was also very fruitful in so many ways. I would have never, just so much growth and so many friends and so many new experiences. I look back on last year, and last year was like 10 years, all convinced in one. And it was the fruit of what he was doing was coming through me. It wasn't me, it was him. And, and technically, I was jobless, which is crazy. Um, and anyway, and then now I have a job, and I felt like it was what the Lord gave me. And every day, this job is so hard because it's so much paperwork. And so now there's, you know, I'm uncomfortable, but in a good way. I'm, I'm still trying to finish off my book. Um, but what, so it's a season of growth. And, and it's not always easy. You know, there's pruning, right? Isn't there a whole scripture on pruning? I know there is. And, and it's because he loves us, right? When you hear that scripture, you go, what? 
Like, you're going to cut me? Like, no. <laughs> I don't want to be cut. That hurts. We I like leave. the word snip. Snip. Snip, <laughs> More like a haircut. <laughs> but it's painful. I mean, i got to be honest, it's painful. But it's beautiful. And just a quick example. Today I went into a meeting, um, and I didn't want to do it. It was another thing where I was like, oh, I'm not sure. But I remember him saying, hey, I have something for you. And I was like, okay. And so when I looked at the emails, I heard that again, and I was like, oh. You know, and that's another thing. He will bring us to things that we never envisioned for ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. I never wanted, like, okay, I did want to be a lawyer once and maybe a judge, but not an election judge. Mm -hmm. That just seemed icky, and it still kind of does. But I sat through three hours today and listened to this lady fire hose us. <laughs> now i got to go buy stuff and figure it all out and tell people how to do it and be responsible. <laughs> And, I, I, and if anybody wants to join me in this journey, I need a couple of good people. <laughs> so y'all are welcome, if God calls you to it. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, we have to recruit too. And so, but that's not the point. The point is, he's amazing. He's amazing. You talk about following, and yes, it's a choice, but it takes my breath away. Yeah. Yeah. It takes your breath away if you let him do it. Yeah. Can I say something? Um, yeah. Josh really triggered something in me when he was talking about when we were kids. Um, Karen was raised very similar that, as we, that we were, and she and I have a lot in common. We talk about when we were little. There were things that God would speak to us that I think we both assumed that everybody that was a believer, God did that, mm -hmm. and he did it. You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and we never talked about it. She talked to her parents about it, but I never told my parents the things that I saw as a little girl. But, you know, being two, I have memories of two years old, three years old, four years old, five mm -hmm. and on. And, but then I didn't get born again until six. But because of what was invested in me mm -hmm. from the body of Christ, mm -hmm. Sunday school teachers in the nursery, when I was a newborn, people were reading the word of God to me. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. That was our way of life. Mm -hmm. And we pass that on to our children. And I'm saying this because this is important. Yeah. David read the word of God to our kids. I'm not talking about the kitty person. I'm talking this since they were in their crib and just drooling, <laughs> you know, sleeping or whatever. He read it to them. And as a result, now our kids, they got born again early, but Madison, our son, they're both really smart. But Madison, he remembers things, just he memorizes. You see a movie when he's a child, he can quote it 20 years later. And he would, one time we visited, he didn't get born again until he was six, but when he was five, we visited my folks' church. And the Sunday school teacher came out to me and she didn't say it where Madison could say it, but she leaned over and she said, your son scares me. <laughs> He knows more than I do about the Word of God. And I just kind of laughed. But that's the way it should be. Yeah. That's the way it should be. I came to him as a little girl. I didn't know Hebrew or Greek. But I knew him. You knew, you knew Jesus. I knew Jesus. <laughs> and I knew the Holy Spirit. And I came from a church who didn't believe yeah. in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right. But I saw it in an aunt 
and I saw the fruit in her life. I remember sitting as in a seven-year-old in a VW bug saying, just talking to the Lord, because that's just what I did, because that's what we were trained in the home to do. We talked to God from two, three, four, five, and on. And I said, hey, you know what? What they had in the early church, you know, the, the, the gifts and the tongues, and, you know, and now it's not politically correct. But in the 60s, the term Indian giver, you know, they give something to the Indians and they took it away. And I told God, I said, God, you're not an Indian giver. I want what you gave them. Because the, the church I went to said that passed away. But no, I see it there. And you're not an Indian giver. Why would you take it away? So what I'm saying is, is all, of the, all of the schooling and everything is like, he's enough to get us there. As long as we can get in the word. But even then, he'll make a way mm -hmm. for somebody to read it till me till I know how to read. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you've got little kids. Yeah. Man. I mean, <laughs> I'm such an advocate for kids mm -hmm. because I was one. <laughs> and I came to him as one. Yeah. And my kids did too. Yeah. And I, anyway, I just want to interject that. <clears throat> Amen. Yeah. Amen. So if you want to be great in God's kingdom, be the servant of all. The way you be the servant of all is see what he does, say what he says, and as you follow him, I'll follow you. Amen. Cricket, I was reading, I, I did that with my boys. I was reading through, and on my son's, second son's third birthday, I was reading from Acts chapter 2, and he started speaking in tongues. Mm -hmm. Anyone else want to share what their following journey is like right now? We're about finished. I know we kind of ran a little bit over. Six o'clock, right? We're good, but We're Angel's going to leave, leave us in communion. Whenever you're. Okay. You, know. you got time. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're good. love how he like how he he just draws us when before we're born again yeah. yes and he's just like I remember being five yeah and a little bitty my mom had got kicked out of the Baptist church for speaking in tongues so we started this little place called full life fellowship and I remember being like four or five and you had all you had back then you didn't have all the padded you had the metal fold out yeah. chairs what, yeah. what you know what I'm talking and I would remember just standing. Like, I would want to stand on the chair and raise my hands because I just thought I would touch him. And oh, yeah. like, he drew me in. Like, I just thought I would touch him. I just could get on that chair. I, would, I could touch him. I could get closer to him. At, like, and I hadn't even, hadn't even made a profession of faith, as they called it in Baptist Church. You know? Just how he draws us to follow him. And, it's, and it can be pretty simple. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Simple. The gospel can be pretty simple. I think it is. It is, you know. Just how he draws. Uh, there's us. a place that says no one can uh, declare Jesus as Lord without the Holy Spirit empowering them mm -hmm. to do so. So, like the Holy Spirit who's drawing us yeah. to that point anyway. Yeah. And um, I know some of you know I'm doing a podcast, and the podcast is very simple. It's just 
It's about hearing God or seeing a miracle. So everyone who comes on has either heard God or saw a miracle or both. And two different people have come on where God spoke to them before they were following him, wanted to follow him, wanted to have anything to do with him. And there are a lot of folks, actually even when we dated, like she would hear from God and and she didn't believe in Jesus at the time and the church I went to, I was like, oh my gosh, this girl I work with. And I was like, oh, you don't know that that's God. It was was really harsh. It It was hurtful. And I never told her at the time was like no like good things happen she prays like she's born does she know Jesus no like mm, yeah no that's not it it was just God is still God yeah I mean it was so amazing so like hearing people and I know there's a lot of people I know that still don't believe that God can actually speak to people before they know Jesus or the Holy Spirit like they they see that as being separate but yes like right I was listening to a preaching the other day and Bill Johnson was talking about a missionary friend that he had that works in Iran uh, no Iraq and that they were having this move of God and that God was visiting the people the Muslims in their sleep and they would see this white angel and it was Jesus and he would literally stand outside the mosque and say if you've seen the man in white just stand over here and they would get he would get these big crowds and they would be hungry to know about the man in white and he would tell them about Jesus and they would get born again I think it's really dangerous to put God in a little box yes. one of my yes. dearest friends um, she was a drug addict and she her grandmother was a believer. Her family didn't know what to do with her. So they sent her to be with the radical grandma. And the grandma was watching Pat Robertson on the 700 Club, and he was leading people in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And she received the Holy Spirit, but she wasn't born again. And it was the Holy Spirit that instantly delivered her from her addiction to drugs. And then she was born again. And that messes with everybody's theology right there. That's in Acts, though. It's in Acts, but it messes with people's theology. And you just have to, God is God and you're not. I love when Bill Johnson, when he'll tell a story and go, God always does this, except for that one time. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, stay a virgin until you're married. It's what the law said, except for if you're Esther. (laughs) And the whole call of God is for you to stay with the king. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? The moment you put God in a box, God will go, watch this. I met a lady like that. I was I worked um, in the benevolence area at the church, and a lady had come in, and she had uh, she was from Egypt, from Cairo, and she saw Jesus in a dream one night. And I was seeing her about uh, eighteen months after she came to this after this happened. But she tells a story, um, and of course, when she walked in, she looked as Muslim as someone stereotypical Muslim um, from the Middle East. And so I'm listening, thick accent. She said, I saw Jesus in a dream. 
I woke up and started telling um, my neighbors and people in the little area that I lived about my dream and about you know Jesus. And um, and my next door neighbor, her next door neighbor said, "You need to be quiet, or you're gonna get us all killed." <laughs> like literally. And she said, "Oh my gosh, I, I needed to tell someone." And um, she said, "You need to pipe down." So next night, very next night, she sees him again in in her dreams, and she wakes up. She said, "Oh my gosh, I'm, I've met the the Messiah, the, you know, all this stuff." And um, and her she already had two sons that lived in the states, and her neighbor said. And she, cause she was super vocal. She was not going to be quiet. She said, I have to tell people. And her neighbor's like, you will be killed. You, you, you need to go do something. So she called her son and said, I'd, I'd like to go. And so I get, maybe she'd visit her or something. So she, he gets her a ticket. She goes and gets on a plane. She has nothing but like a backpack. She comes to the United States, left her husband, the whole, all of the situation where she was. And then anyway, she ended up coming to Dallas and everything, and she she sat in my office, and I'm just like, I'd never met anyone who met Jesus in their dream, right? Yeah, it was wow. just like an altar call, or mm -hmm. right? It was yeah. just like, mm -hmm. I was so <laughs> like blessed, honored, excited. I couldn't wait to like get out of the room and tell everybody else. I was like, you're never gonna believe this. She met Jesus in a dream. This is the coolest. It was so fun to hear like that that um that that can happen yes and it was like it was it just boosh like you just kind of break down the box yes that you might have had or i had and mm -hmm. and and people were like are you sure i was like are you kidding like just to hear her tell the whole story was just mind-blowing and it was so much fun at the same time mm -hmm. so yeah it was, i i i met someone and she lived in the uh I don't know what they're called. Um, it's like government housing, which I don't even know. They, they in, in Grapevine, there's a housing project in Grapevine. Yeah. I didn't right. know they had a yeah. housing project yeah. in Grapevine mm -hmm. until she told me she's in, living in the projects. I mean, where's that? But anyway, so it's fun to be a follower. Mm -hmm. so. Yes, it is. Right. What a great story. So good. Thank you. Ah, yeah, it was and great. All the people she's gonna influence, right? Here in America. Yeah. Yes. And she had no job, no money. Like she, the only thing she got was like from her, and she was going to Gateway wow. at the time, and she's like, it was so great. It was like, yeah, like yeah, you know, you just like it's fun. So he's he loves this. That's so why I love that to hear that.